For as long as I can remember, I have had a passion for helping others live into their potential. My goal is to share some practical knowledge from the world of performance psychology and wisdom from my own experiences to bring personal growth to you right where you are. Come on in. I'm Kayla, the coach next door. It's Kayla, the coach next door, and I wanted to do a short episode today to follow up on the interview that I did with Sarah on motivation. And today I wanted to get a little bit more into what the science says will help you with building motivation. And Sarah was pretty spot on with all of these. I just want to get a little bit more into detail and tell you some of the terminology that the theories actually apply to building motivation. And I have five tips. I love when I can break things into a list. So we're going to go one by one and discuss each of the things that science says will help you with motivation. And just for ease of example, in each of these uh, different tips, I'm going to use the example of staying motivated to train and run, run a half marathon. All right, let's go. So the first tip is to build self-efficacy. And you might be thinking, what is that? Well, self-efficacy is a little bit different than self-esteem because it's a little bit more specific regarding to how you think you'll perform a really specific behavior. So like I said, we're using the example of training and running a half marathon. So that would be the specific behavior that I would need to have self-efficacy about. And the reason that that is important is because if you think that you will be able to perform this behavior well, you will be more motivated to do it. So I know I said that I had five points, but within this one point, I have some sub points. The first thing that you can do to build self-efficacy is to build upon previous experience. And what that means is to think about times when you've done something similar to the task at hand or something else that you might be able to equate in some way, shape, or form. So let's say, again, with our example of training for a half marathon, typically you would be doing some training runs that are distances building up to the 13.1 miles of the half marathon. So you might be able to say during your training, oh, I've done a 5K, oh, I've done a four mile run, oh, I've done a five mile run, in order to continue to build your self-efficacy of accomplishing a longer run. Or it could even be something completely different, but in your mind, you're able to make a connection to. For example, I have not had a baby, but from what I understand from movies, TV, and from friends and family's experience, that can be quite a painful thing to go through. So you might also compare the pain that you're going through while training to the pain that you had in labor, let's say. So you might be telling yourself something like, oh, if I can get through the pain of labor, I can get through the pain of this run. 
The second way to build self-efficacy is through vicarious experience. So like I said, I have not delivered a baby or gone through labor. However, if I've seen other people doing that, that might be my vicarious experience in order to get me through thinking that I might not be able to do it. Very good example of this. Sarah commented about how sometimes when she's having trouble staying motivated to do a workout, she'll go and look at Instagram and try to find some inspiration. Part of that is living vicariously through someone else. So seeing someone else succeeding at a workout or someone else, in her case, doing well, getting ready for competing, she might be driving some self-efficacy by seeing their experiences and living vicariously through them. Now, the next way to build self-efficacy can sound a little bit like vicarious experience, but it's a little different, and that is social persuasion. So while vicarious experience is more like you're seeing someone model the behavior that you are hoping to achieve, social persuasion is more about having others directly influence your self-efficacy by providing an opportunity for you to experience that behavior in a way that makes you feel supported and like you can safely accomplish that behavior. So again, going back to the example of running a half marathon, that might be having a support system around you when it comes to race day, having a actual race that makes you feel safe and supported by having things like regular water stops and EMT staff along the way, crowds to cheer you on, things like that. And then the last step for building self-efficacy is physiological state, which essentially means how you are physically feeling when you're doing that behavior. So running is a great example because they have this thing, you may have heard of it, called the runner's high. Um, Essentially, there is a physiological response in your body Once you get to a certain point where you have a release of endorphins and it gives a positive response to your body to say, this is something that is good for you. Now I have to caution, physiological responses can also have a negative effect in how you feel about the behavior depending upon how you choose to respond to them. So in my same running example, if running is brand new to you and exercising is brand new to you and you're not familiar with the elevated heart rate, the elevated perspiration rate that comes inherently with exercising, then that might seem scary to you because your body is responding in a physiological way that you might associate with something negative. Now, if you are well-versed in exercising and you know that those responses are okay and can sometimes even be rewarding, then that's where you can have your physiological state build upon your self-efficacy in order to increase motivation. It's all in how you look at it. All right, so moving on from building self-efficacy, our second point for how science says you can increase your motivation is by making a plan, which Sarah very clearly stated was one of the strategies that she uses. So I 
I'm just going to quickly review that the reason that we want to be making a plan, and by the way, making that a detailed plan, is because it increases your perceived behavior control. You feel like you're more in control of the process if you have made a plan and it addresses the barriers that you anticipate coming up in your process proactively. For example, um, during my master's thesis, I interviewed a bunch of Ironman triathletes and having a plan was one of their biggest strategies while they were training in order to feel ready for the race. They prepared that it was going to be a terrible race day, that they were going to be in pain, that it was going to take a really long time. And they practiced that while they were training in order to be ready for it when it came to race day. So same thing if you're training for a half marathon in this example, or really for any of the goals that you might be setting out for yourself, there are going to be barriers that come up and having a plan for overcome them is how you're going to be able to maintain motivation and eventually succeed at accomplishing your goal. And one of my favorite quotes from Rachel and Dave Hollis is hope is not a strategy. So you cannot just hope that everything will go the way that it's supposed to and expect to still be successful. The third point comes from self-determination theory, and that is to set your own goal and to find out the why behind that goal for you, which again, Sarah talked about finding your why, which is really just another way of saying, find out why it is that you want to accomplish this goal. It needs to have some sort of deep meaning tied to either your values or something that's part of your core beliefs in order for it really to be meaningful and to get you through the times when you're not feeling motivated. So to go back to the half marathon example again, you guys are going to get tired of me saying that, but to go back to the half marathon example again, you know, for me, I have an identity as a runner. I've run off and on throughout my entire life. As long as I can remember, I've been a runner. So that is really ingrained as part of what I see myself as, as part of my identity, along with the fact that I have a really strong value in health and wellness and accomplishment of goals. So with those things combined, the why for me to go out and train for a half marathon is really evident. It's because I have it tied to my identity. I value health and wellness, which running helps me with. And I also value accomplishing goals. And I feel like it's important to say this part of that again, is that you need to be setting that goal for yourself. It works so much better when you make sure that that goal aligns with your why as opposed to having someone else set that goal for you. All right, on to point number four, which is to set yourself up for small wins. And what I mean by that is to take that big goal that you have set for yourself, the running the half marathon, and break it into smaller, more tangible and attainable steps that you feel that you could easily accomplish along the way. Granted, you should not not challenge yourself, but it's really easy to be demotivated when you're 
failing at what you're trying to accomplish. So setting yourself up for a small win along the way can be really motivational and can get you back into the groove of things when you're trying to accomplish a bigger goal. And finally, number five, find a buddy. Find someone to hold you accountable, someone that you trust. Find out what your motivational style is. If you want someone who's gonna be more of a coach, someone who's gonna be more of a drill sergeant, you know, some people respond differently to different tactics. But once you find that person that you want to be your accountability partner in this, let them know what your goal is and let them know what you need from them. Let them know that if I'm not feeling motivated today, I might come to you and say, hey, I need some motivation. And they're going to say something, hopefully, that will motivate you in a kind way, or maybe you don't want kind. Whatever way is going to be most motivational to you, give them the examples of that ahead of time. That way, they can try to help you out the best way that they can on those days when you are struggling with your motivation. And that's it, guys. I told you five steps. They're pretty easy. Maybe try one of them at a time when you're not feeling super motivated. But again, those are build self-efficacy, make a plan, set your own goals and make sure you know the why behind them, set yourself up for small wins along the way, and find a buddy. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps. And again, this is Kayla, your coach next door.